The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. I've already been dead for such a very, very long time. But I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. And welcome back to this, the 17th episode of the Bitter Bastard Nerdcast. Uh, This time we're covering some big releases, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and the biggest film of the year, Black Panther. Plus, we venture down the aisles of that abandoned old video store for our retro rewind with Sleepaway Camp and Jim Cotta. But before we begin, please join me in welcoming back my guest ho- uh, guest co-host and founder of the B-Movie BFS website, Kelly Hogaboom. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. So, you know, last time I didn't actually ask you about your website so people could actually look for it. Um, why don't you tell everybody about uh, what you do on there? Okay. Um, my website's bmoviebffs.com. I also have a Twitter and a Facebook page with the same handle. And right now there are two writers on the site and um, we try to, we probably put out a post a week and we, we try to cover, you know, uh, trashy or not so trashy B movies, but we also reserve the right to talk about blockbusters and television too. And it's a lot of fun and we're always um, looking for more people on the Facebook page. And um, I think I've been doing it. Oh, it's been a few years and I also built the site myself. So it's a pretty cute looking site. I, I'm, um, I put a like a little neon sign on it, which I was proud of animating. So anyway, uh, anyone <laughs> listening should give it give it a look for sure. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it because I, when I first started um, uh, conversing with you, I, I, I looked it up and uh, I really liked it. I liked the design and I liked the fact that you do talk about some, some real garbage because um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love garbage. Me too. <laughs> so. And I love that you, like your podcast lately, for a while now, you cover some of these like significant blockbusters and then you just dig in that dumpster of 80s slasher <laughs> films, which <laughs> makes me so happy. <laughs> so. Well, I also know that you like a lot of like uh, 80s uh, cheesy action. Yes, I do. <laughs> so I, I think when you find out what next month's movies are, you're going to really be excited. <laughs> All right, right on. It's going to be hard to top the double bill of Sleepaway Camp and Jim Cotta, I have to say. <laughs> so. uh, okay, well, we've, <laughs> well, we've got so many uh, goodies to discuss. Let's get down to business. Uh, has there ever been a franchise that makes so much money that fans still all seem to hate? Well, the latest in the Star Wars series does its level best to infuriate all of them. 
Young Force wielder Ray attempts to convince Luke Skywalker to train her, but he's only got time for squeezing milk from giant alien boobs. Meanwhile, Leia spends most of the story fretting and <laughs> dealing with Poe's obnoxious bullshit, while Finn and new character Rose spend an inordinate amount of time playing dances with wolves on a casino planet. <laughs> if you're worried that you won't get to see Kylo Ren pout and throw Sith fits, don't worry, because we're treated to more embarrassing spaz attacks and the Sith equivalent of holding his breath until he gets his way. There's nostalgia galore and enough pew-pew-pew to satisfy the geek inside of you if you only put aside your petty sense of entitlement and watch Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> when I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. So, in case you can't tell, I it, the people who, ju- who who have a, a problem with this movie irritate the crap out of me. Um, okay. I, <clears throat> look, I understand if you don't like a movie, everybody's entitled to like or not like a film. But the uh, the little uh, fits uh, that that these people are throwing about it because it's not doing what they want it to do. I just don't get it. And, and uh, there's that one guy <clears throat> that started a petition to get it, uh, to force Disney to remove it from canon. Oh, uh, I mean, okay. Really? Do you, do you have a job or is, you know, do you have a family <laughs> you could, you know, hang out with or friends or something? It's more important than that. 
I right. Mean, my God. So anyway, so well, well you know, what, what was what was your take on on the Last Jedi? Well, um, so and I, I'm hoping you don't get any hate mail for this, but I, I'm not a big Star Wars <laughs> fan. Uh, the first one came out the year I was born. Oh. And I, so the, the first three, I have that sort of nostalgic connection to, but, um, you know, by the end of the first three, the Ewoks annoyed me, Harrison Ford annoys me, you know, I'm just not a massive fan. Um, but I will say I did as much as I can enjoy a Star Wars film. I did kind of enjoy this one, but it's like 90% because I loved Luke Skywalker in it. Oh, you, you really liked, uh, Mark Hamill's performance. I first of all, and you're gonna. This is gonna sound crazy, but I didn't know he came back in this one because I avoid trailers like the plague. So I started to figure out that he was going to be in it. Um, I think I'd forgotten that he showed up at the end of the Force Awakens. So this is giving you a clue to how not into Star Wars that I am. But um, I I kind of was surprised how much he was in the film, and then I also was surprised how much Leia was in the film. Um, because as you know, there's a scene where it looks like she's gonna get she's out but then she uh, kind of supernaturally rescues herself right <clears throat> so um between those two i actually kind of liked them um not digging the kylo ren and i feel like the movie really had a hard time making him compelling <laughs> uh and and you know they kind of struggled with that and what was the main bad guy's name snape or snopes oh, or what was it smoke yeah that character also not too menacing not too interesting I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't a terrible film, but like without without Skywalker and some of the visuals, I don't think I would have cared for it very much. Well, I actually I enjoyed it for what it was. I I, I guess <clears throat> I've never been a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, I've seen all of them, and I saw you know I was ten when the original came out, and I saw it, and I you know, and I had a lot of fun with it, and I had the toys and everything. I guess I just I I don't take it as seriously as everybody else, so I don't right, freak out. Right. You know, yeah. if something does. I mean, I wasn't thrilled that you know with them killing uh, Han Solo in in uh, <clears throat> the Force Awakens, right. but I also realized you know that you know uh, Harrison Ford is almost eighty, and <laughs> are you serious? That <laughs> can't yeah, be true. Yeah, he's like seventy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I was surprised they killed him off because I felt like could have got more out of him. Well, but, he was the um, best part of that he, film. Yeah, it was good to see him. But I guess I liked seeing the originals back. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and I feel like the the performance of Leia, Luke, and Han were fine in in both of these films. You know, so um, yeah, I definitely don't take it that seriously because I'm not a diehard yeah. fan. But you know, also. I mean, I think you've got a lot of like white boys out there that are angry about um, not having a major place in these last two, and that's mm. kind of what some of that f- that fit that you're talking about is about. And well, you know, that's too bad. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I remember when uh, I was reviewing The Force Awakens, and there was there were people like you know because we were doing it live on YouTube, and you know we, there was the live chat, and <clears throat> there were people losing their minds that the lead was a woman regardless yeah. of whether she was white or not i mean uh it was just that it was a woman and then now you heard with this one it's like oh my god uh there's an asian woman in it and you know right finn's black there's no black stormtroopers and you know right right i, I remember all of that yeah and I, I think that's a big part of some of the 
detractors. And, you know, on the other side of it, there are a lot of, um, you know, women of color, people of color, and women, uh, white women who are really happy to be brought into the franchise. And that's legit, you know, in my view. Um, I, and, you know, I, you mentioned that uh, casino bit yeah. of the movie. Um, that was so boring that I left the theater to go to the bathroom. So I missed it. But it was very like pod racy to me. <laughs> I, it, and it, the, the film kind of ran pretty long. It's it a felt long a little movie. too long to me. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, there was a lot of fun stuff in it. I, I loved Laura Dern. I, you know, again, I had no idea who was going to be in the movie. And so, boom, there she was. That was pretty cool. And uh, there were some gorgeous visuals. And um, I actually liked the scene where Luke uh, <laughs> milks that creature. Yeah. I laughed so hard. Like, it was so random. Yeah, it, it was like, very was bizarre. It, it was. It was it like was. a... Um, <laughs> Almost like the Cohen brothers took over for a second. Um, yeah, and he like drinks the milk and like gives her a look like bam. Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I was like, okay, I'm here for that. That was great. Uh, so, you know, there was there was humor in the film without it being um, kind of smarmy, which I appreciated. So it was it was entertaining for sure. Yeah. So okay, let me, so let me ask you, what would you give that out of uh, a scale of one to ten? Well, for a science, what is it called? Is it called science fantasy? Is that what we call this genre? Yeah. For yeah, for a science fantasy action film, I mean, I'd probably give it an eight. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I, I'd give it a seven. Um, you know, I, I think for me, the the, uh, I think the length was the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. It, it, it got to a point where I was looking at my 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 watch, like, oh my god, how much longer <laughs> is in this thing? I think they right. there's uh, a lot of that casino planet part they could have trimmed. Yeah, I mean, I know they were making some thematic points with yeah. that, but it it felt again like if you were if you were going to the theater wanting a really long Star Wars experience, you got it. But for your average viewer like me, um, you know, it's just a little too long. But it seems like a lot of these blockbusters are running a little bit long lately. That's that's just kind of how it's going. Yeah, I don't know why it seems like everything's got to be two hours twenty minutes. Um, I'm happy with two hours for, you know, for an action film and 90 minutes for horror or something like that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I, I think but my message for people with the, the Star Wars thing is, is get over yourself. I, you know, grow up either you like it or you don't, but you know, to, to blame, to get angry and upset about it because it's got non-white people or, or male, non-males or what I don't it, it, it to me it's just as stupid as the doctor who thing right it's oh like, right the big backlash there yeah you know they've uh, he, he he literally the whole point of the character is that he regenerates into something or someone different every time there's no reason couldn't regenerate <laughs> into a woman i mean they already had the master do it um right so but anyway that's that's another topic uh and I have to say, the the Last Jedi gave us some good memes because um, the only thing I knew about the Last Jedi, literally, was the Kylo Ren shirtless scene because Twitter was <laughs> like Twitter was on fire dragging that. Oh, I know everybody. <laughs> was, I, it was so silly. It's so funny what the people grab onto. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh. But oh boy, yeah. So you know. Um, it was fun. It was a good, uh, like I said, a good kind of um, action, you know, fun movie. So, 
Okay, well, let's move on to our next film. I, 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 I think this uh, everything's pretty much been said that can be said about The Last Jedi at this point. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, the past is here to haunt T'Challa, the new king of Wakanda. It seems that back in the day, his father hid a family secret, namely another heir to the throne in Oakland, California. After years of rooting for a terrible football team, that heir decides that maybe, just maybe, ruling a wealthy, technologically advanced society might be preferable to living in Oakland. After knocking T'Challa off his throne, our villain, Killmonger, begins to systematically destroy the source of our hero's power and sell weapons to the highest bidder. But there's no stopping the Stanley Jack Kirby freight train, and there's no stopping Black Panther. men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hold up. Let's go, go, go. It is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. The revolution will not be televised. Show me my respect and bow down. I waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'ma burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. What kind of forever? The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. The revolution will be live. Okay, well, so Black Panther, you know, I, I was excited about seeing it. Um, the thing that's been great with the Marvel films is they haven't been afraid to take obscure characters. And when I say obscure, I mean obscure to the general public, not comic book fans, and making them a centerpiece in a film. Um, <clears throat> when they did Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, I remember thinking, oh, man, this could be their first bomb. Right, you were worried. Yeah, because right? I mean, it's, I mean, yes, I have, you know, some old, uh, I, I think it's Marvel feature or, or Marvel, uh, yeah, I think it's Marvel feature um, from uh, late '60s, early '70s that first feature the characters, <laughs> and um, 
I just I didn't see people like especially like, oh they got Rocket Raccoon in it, and I'm thinking oh god people are gonna be like a talking raccoon I don't want to see that and um and what ended up happening it was one of their biggest grossing films and and one of their most critically acclaimed and rightfully so I think uh, <clears throat> so when I found out they were doing Black Panther I was pretty excited about it because it's not just um that it's the you know Marvel's or at least the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first black lead uh, that I'm leaving out Blade because that wasn't part of the MCU uh, that came out in like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, And it's... I love this film. I I, I love it because it's it's structured differently than, than a lot of the other Marvel films, especially the solo ones. And I love the set design and the costumes, uh, the use of yeah. color is fantastic, and it's so great uh, for um, for young black kids to see uh, a hero that's not only um, uh, successful and brilliant, but uh, who has a <sighs> there's real dignity with the Black Panther character, and mm-hmm. I and I love that. It's it's um, at the end. I, I'm I'm leaping ahead, but at the end when he shows up and he donate they donate that center in in Oakland for kids. I, I mean, it, you know, I know some people have said that that's like a sop to people. You know, like oh well, you know, it's uh, some liberal fantasy, blah blah whatever. It's like, I, I don't care about that. I just think it just it touched me because I mean I live in Northern California right. and I. I joked about Oakland because, frankly, it's kind of a, a shithole. It really is. I mean, it's a terrible, depressed city. <clears throat> and, you you know, there, there's people there who feel like there's no hope and that this is what I'm stuck with and what right. they're born into and everything. And uh, it's it, it's so great to have a character like Black Panther that comes out and um, – there's there's grace there's nobility there's dignity in this character and that he everything with him and his family and the 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 citizens of wakanda they it's all about raising others up and it's such a positive message film and the the cousin uh killmonger that comes in and tries to take the throne from him um his story is one of the most interesting backstories for a Marvel villain in a movie since yeah. Loki, really. Yeah, he. I was gonna say he had the most relatable um, motivation for a villain in a in a superhero film that I've that I can remember, and they did they did a really good job with that. I thought. Yeah, it was really you know because when you looked at it, at what what uh, happened with him in the past, you're, in the past, you're kind of like, yeah, I get it. Right. Exactly. I get why he's pissed. It was. <laughs> You know, this this film was great. There were so many things that were great about it. Um, I think the designer of the costumes, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a tailor and I always notice the costumes. Um, I think her name's Ruth Carter, but she did an incredible job. I mean, the costumes alone were worth watching the film. You know, the like you said, the um, the colors were great, but the what I liked is the themes of the film were pretty straightforward. They were they were well done, and the film 
like the only homework I did before I watched it was to reread what had happened in uh, Civil War mm-hmm. because 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 I couldn't remember because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but I did re- I did read it because I knew that that was um, relevant. But the film you it really could stand on its own. Um, but can be plugged into the Marvel universe pretty pretty nicely. So I, th- you know, that's hard to do. I think when you- this was the 18th Marvel film, right? Um, yes, so, because because the yeah. uh, Infinity War is going to be the 19th one. Yeah, yeah. So they they've got a lot of balls up in the air, and it's like how do you how do you honor the hardcore comic book like fans who know the story and remember the story but also appeal to a viewer like me who really it's like who you know who was bucky again like who's this person <laughs> you know so so i i just really appreciated everything about black panther and it did have some incredibly moving scenes which i'm i'm not sure i've you know, experience that, um, in a Marvel film yet, you know, uh, getting emotionally involved. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought the, the three women, especially, um, Letitia Wright and, uh, Dana, I think it's Gurria. Um, those two women really stole the show. I felt, um, they were both really, really great. Was that the sister and, and the, the head of the guard? Yes. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o, she played, I can't remember her name in the film, but she was a spy and she was T'Challa's ex-girlfriend and and she was, she was fine, but she, she kind of was just in that like love interest position. But the, the woman that was the general of the guard, she, she brought a lot of like, well, her and the sister Shuri, they brought the humor, but they were also, you know, incredibly, um, you know, powerful and active in the plot line. It felt like there was a lot of um, equality as far as their importance in the events. Yeah. You know, like when they have that um, fight in the Korean nightclub and the two women run out the door and they're like, are we just going to leave T'Challa? And the other gal is like, yeah, he'll catch up. And they yeah. just go right after the bad guys. You know, there's so many great scenes like that. Yeah, I I, I have to say, I mean, I know it, the, the movie... Is is called Black Panther, but I really felt like the women in this film were the real showcase. I, I yeah, I mean they got the they got the humorous parts. If you you know T'Challa didn't, um, you know he was he was interesting because he was he was charismatic, but he wasn't he didn't have a showman personality. Yeah, he's um, very soft spoken. And of course, you know, Killmonger, you know, Michael B. Jordan, he was just a, you know, horrible, ruthless killer. So he didn't have any humorous lines either. So, you know, the women kind of got that part. And uh, and also um, the gentleman that played Mbaku, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that, yeah, he had some funny lines, of course, right. you know. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I I really, I love the women in this. It's not just in, like for the humor, but I mean, the fight scenes, they had some incredible choreography. That was really mm-hmm. impressive, and I, I I loved everything about it. Uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker, you know, right? Uh, not in it a lot, but he was great. And um, I I really I think that the reason this film was so popular was because it made it wasn't just a standard superhero flick. I think it got a lot of the people in you know who are comic book fans or whatever who like marvel movies but i think there was also there's there's things in there um real emotional resonance like you were saying 
that I think really got people. And at the end, yeah. and, and again, I you know this is something I keep forgetting to state at the beginning. This is a spoiler podcast, so yes, we do we do discuss <laughs> details. Um, <clears throat> at the end, when Killmonger is dying, um, you know, T'Challa says, you know, well, we can we can you know fix you up, you know, get you to the lab. And he's he's like no I I, I want to die a free man. And right. it it ends with him he wants to watch the sunset over Wakanda which is what he's always heard about his entire life, and it's one of the most uh, amazing scenes for you know a genre that's generally considered frivolous. It's really well done. Right. I I totally agree. Um, I always have to laugh though, and <laughs> these films are like. You know, we know how to fight, but we never we never fight unless we have to. And then, like seventy eight percent of the running time is like fighting. Oh yeah, just know? beat the snot out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, there was you know there were kind of three three schools of thought. You know, the Wakandans in general were saying, you know, we haven't been colonized. We're safe. We have this wonderful culture, and we're going to keep it safe. And then you had. Um, uh, Lapita's character who was saying you know we we owe the world something we need to go out and help them and then you have Killmonger who is at the extreme where you know he he wanted to wreak vengeance on the outside world and in the oppressors of the world and you know those were three great um kind of the you know uh perspectives to battle it out and T'Challa had to had to figure out which way to direct his energy and, and the energy of his people. And it was just very well done. It wasn't overblown and it wasn't frivolous and it was also a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I really liked the fact that it didn't feel like it was screaming message, you know? No, it was mostly just a great superhero film. And it feels like, um, you know, we've had a lot of kind of overwrought uh, superhero films lately. So, well, and the nice thing is, is, now next month is uh, Infinity War, and you know, as a lifelong comic book fan, I just I cannot. I, I literally like I see a trailer for it, and I just start shaking. I'm so excited. Uh, right. <laughs> but also, you know, I think it's in Ju- June or July. Uh, you know, Deadpool two, which I am excited. Right. for. Right, I love it because I love the original. It just turns. It takes you know a standard superhero story and just. It, you know, throws it throws the script out the window and and makes it incredibly fun, and you know a lot of fourth wall breaking and stuff. And and I think th- that's an example of uh, an actor finally finding after years what really works for him. Uh, I think that's a perfect vehicle for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and I think he worked really really hard to make that happen. Yeah. I mean he. Yeah. Um, no, I love Deadpool, and Deadpool was also, if I if I'm correct, it was pretty well received by everybody. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one for sure. So you've watched the trailers for Infinity oh, War. Oh yes. And do you feel like that's going to um, be enough? Like one movie can shoehorn all of these characters. Well, in it? <clears throat> initially, it was supposed that. W- Here's the thing. Marvel said initially that Avengers 3 and 4 were Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. And then they changed it and hedged their bets and said, well, it's Infinity War and then uh, Untitled Fourth Movie. And what they said was, we won't tell you the title of the fourth film 
until after the third one comes out because the title has spoilers. Gotcha. So okay. Um, I, so it's going to be like a cliffhanger half of an episode right. is kind of what I'm hearing. It's okay. going to be very much uh, their uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, like they're going to for sure kill Loki and maybe Iron Man is my... That's where I'm going to uh, guess. I think so. they're killing off Captain America. <gasps> okay, now, see, I do care about that <laughs> because he is the handsomest of the Avengers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so. my... my- my my friend Christy might argue with you that she 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 absolutely loves Thor, but yeah, he's okay. I don't like men with too many muscles. To quote Janet from Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> well, every 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 movie we've seen, because we usually go as a group to see these films, and there's always a scene where Thor takes his shirt off, and her and like all my female friends are like, ah, <laughs> jeez. Well, and you heard the story about when um when Michael B. Jordan removed his shirt in Black Panther, the young girl who broke her retainer from clenching her jaw. Did you hear that story? Oh yeah. Yeah. So her, her orthodontist like tweeted about it and she was (laughs) embarrassed. And then I guess the, yes. And the actor, Michael B. Jordan, he tweeted her and he said, Hey, I'll buy you a new retainer. I mean, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And you know, I, I know we're about to get off of Black Panther, but um, we have some real beefcake and bulges coming up in the next two uh, yeah. films. So, you know, this is a great segue. It, mainly <laughs> bulges, but... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, did I ask you, uh, what, what, what would you give uh, Black Panther on a scale of 1 to 10? Honestly, for a superhero mm-hmm. film, I feel like it can't be improved upon. It's a 10. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, I give it a 9. Uh, I, I really right I really enjoyed it. It's actually one of my favorite of the Marvel uh, films for me, it's up there with uh, the first Avengers and Doctor Strange, um, and um, I also loved Winter Soldier, Captain America. I thought that was great. <clears throat> I didn't realize you liked Doctor Strange so much. That's cool. I I, I enjoyed that one yeah, too. Yeah, I well, I've I've been a Doctor Strange fan in the comics for decades. So when they when I heard they were doing the movie, and then I saw the casting, and then I saw the costume. The costume is perfect. Somehow they were able to take mm-hmm. the costume from the comics, duplicate it, but not make it look stupid. I don't know how they pulled that off. It, it looks great. Right with on. the eye of Agamotto well, it, was, it was a fun one. It too ridiculous. So, hey, you know. Right on. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, we'll be right back after this with the Retro Rewind. Mmm. seen the show. It was quite a treat. But now you'd like something to eat, so right this way to the concession stand serving Castleberries, the best in the land. Yes, sir. Castleberries is real southern barbecue. Choice cuts of meat slowly cooked over open pits of smoldering oak coals for honest-to-goodness barbecue flavor. You'll also find hot coffee, cold soft drinks, and delicious ice cream in our snack bar to go with your Castleberry sandwich. Just look at that generous helping of rich, juicy barbecue. Yum, yum. For a real taste thrill, Castleberry's barbecue will fill the... 
Golden pure creamery butter, rich, flavorful, satisfying. That's what it takes for the finest buttered popcorn, and that's what we use. See for yourself why there's no showtime treat to equal the crisp, delicious flavor of hot popcorn that's bathed in real melted butter. It's at the concession stand now. You don't have to just dream about Dairy Queen. Your favorite Dairy Queen treat is a refreshing reality at your nearest Dairy Queen store. And we're back. It's time to turn on the Wayback Machine and transport ourselves to the musty corridors of the ancient local video store for the Retro Rewind. First up, we take a trip to the days of summer camp and the memories of youth, the warm weather, the camaraderie, the sporting events, the campfires, and of course, bloody murder. Ricky and his cousin Angela just want to have a good time, but snotty girls and boys in the tightest, tiniest shorts are doing everything in their power to ruin it until a deranged serial killer starts offing the kids, whether they're 10 years old or 35. Who's <laughs> who's the killer? Could it be the lo lovable pedophile chef Artie, who spends most of his time drooling <laughs> over the underage set? Or could it be the mega bitch Judy continually rocking that side pony and wearing a shirt with her name embroidered on it in huge letters? Or possibly Mel, the uber-sexy middle-aged owner of the camp, working his wiles, his musk, and plaid shorts and black socks on Judy's goon Meg? Or is it Officer Frank, sporting the worst fake mustache this side of Kenneth Branagh's? This film has it all, from terrible acting, to constant rage, to more gay panic than an average lethal weapon film, to death by curling iron, you'll never forget your time at Sleepaway Camp. Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba, Reba. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Turn it! Turn the wheel! Oh my God! Sleep away, camp. You won't be coming home. So, <laughs> when I was a little kid, I saw this film uh, on the video store <laughs> on the shelf. And the picture, I don't know if you have you ever seen the video cover? 
I've seen the posters at the same. Well, because I mean, there's like the one um, that I posted, but that's like of the the new uh, re- restored version. Uh, it's new art, but if the, the the version they had in the '80s was a picture of a letter that some kid's supposedly writing home to their parents. Oh my parents. gosh. Tim, I, then, like, I'm looking at it now, and I remember seeing that as a very young kid in a video store as well. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And now I, the trailer I just played actually has a kid's voiceover reading that letter. Okay. And then they show some clips. Um, and it, so I remember thinking like, you know, when I was, I don't know, God, like 13 or something like, oh my God, this must be the grossest, most violent film of all time. And then I finally saw it about a year ago and I've watched it like 10 times since then. (laughs) And it's really not that gory. No, but it's like, okay, I have two things to say about this film. Number one, it has an, an incredibly offensive premise that I look forward to talking about and that is a huge spoiler and it's impossible to talk about the film without revealing it. Number two, this film <laughs> is a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good. I can't, like, you know, a lot of slashers, they're so nasty and they're not any good. And so I, I don't really get around to finishing them. And right. I don't think I would have touched this one for quite some time if you hadn't assigned it. And I, I absolutely love this film. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the big spoiler for, for the ending just because, I mean, you can't discuss this film and not do it. Right. Um, <clears throat> okay. First of all, like I was saying in my, my synopsis, everybody at this camp is furious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a happy Constantly. camp. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, yeah. The rage is at an 11. <laughs> right. I mean, like Ricky – any the slicing happens like you motherfucker, right? You know? <laughs> right. No, everybody is like on edge. The whole yeah. film. So you know, the film opens with a dad with his two young children, and there's a horrible accident, and the dad is killed, and one of the kids is killed um, right. in by a, a speedboat uh, running yeah. him over. And then we we flash forward to this camp. And at the point you're at the camp, you've got Ricky and his cousin Angela, and Angela's the surviving child from the speedboat incident, you know. They show up at this camp, and the entire rest of the film is just a series of vignettes of um, campers bullying Angela, and -hmm. then every now and then a um, violent murder. And that's just it. That's (laughs) like... Excuse me, that's all that happens in the film is just one bullying yeah. scene. And um, it's, you know, there was so much, like, I expected a much, um, a film that wasn't produced as well as this one. It Actually, the production quality was very good. The gore effects were excellent. This is 1983, and it still looks pretty good today. Like the yeah. he- the head of the drowned guy they find, and right where the snake comes out of his mouth. Yeah, and, yeah, and the guy that gets boiled, um, and the bee stings. There were so many. There, like you say, it wasn't a lot of gore, but it was pretty well done, and that yeah. was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, the thing that it, with the it's it's it's, it's bizarre because um, when you watch slasher films, you're like. You know, usually what the, the truth is, the majority of people who enjoy slash films, you know, what they're waiting for is the money shot. Right. Right. The kill. Right. It's all about the kills. 
and <clears throat> there aren't a lot of kills in it. No. At least not till the end. Um, oh, and yeah. It, it's, it's disturbing because, really, this might be... I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, this might be the first... Slasher movie, it's like you you know, a lot of times people call the slasher genre uh, the uh, dead teenager genre. And this is actually the first one. Yeah, they're all like, for the most part, teenagers. Right. Because there's like, at this camp, there's little kids, and there's like kids that are in their teens, and then there's people who like look like they're 30, (laughs) but they're not counselors. Right. Some of them are. Right. You know. And um, so, like, at the end, uh, they find, like, there's, like, these kids are probably, like, 8 to 10 years old, and they've all been killed with a hatchet. Yeah, that scene was, um, uh, it kind of took it up a notch. You know, a bunch of little boys in their sleeping bags getting hacked up by a hatchet. That's, I I feel like a lot of slashers don't don't kill off kids like that. Uh, It's kind of rare. Right. Um, But, yeah, besides Mm. that, it was kind of, you know, just your standard, I have to say, People are so easy to kill in this film. Um, I feel like if you and I were in a lake and I just pushed your head underwater, I wouldn't probably successfully be able to drown you. (laughs) You Like it's like bloop. (laughs) I'm like, that must be hard to tread water and drown another able-bodied adult just with one hand. Um, And same with Judy. I mean, this is, you know, Judy, it's horrible. She gets raped by a curling iron. So, you know, and then just one handed, she's held down. I'm like, I kind of feel like she might fight that that off. But okay. But well, especially um, since she is bigger than the killer. Yeah, the and, but I mean, no, no human being could hold down another person with one hand. I, I just, I'm not buying that. And then of course, Meg gets stabbed not through the shower curtain, but through the wall, <laughs> which yes. I, I was like, damn. Um, yeah, and she just keeps. Actually, I thought- Go ahead. Her, her murder was the most violent of the. It was pretty nasty, and she she just kind of keeps leaning. I feel like I would immediately, you know, spring off of that wall. Uh, yeah, not like, just oh, shit. right, like <laughs> so. Yeah, um, and of course, you know the the pederast, uh, the awful chef gets. He's the first one to get. He doesn't get killed, but he gets really fucked up by. I'm sorry, he gets uh, really messed up by uh, <laughs> plunging into a a huge. Okay. Explain the corn boiling pot because that pot was about eight foot tall. <laughs> like, how do yeah. you get the corn in and out of that thing? Like, I could not figure well, it out. Here's the thing: I've worked in, in restaurants and I've never seen a pot that big in my life. <laughs> it was really, and of course, they didn't even put him all the way in the pot because it was huge. It, but it just got um, he tipped into it. That scene was awful. I mean, well, it's great. But. The pot was so big that he had to have a step ladder. To get the, to put yeah. the salt in, it. right, <laughs> right, and then you know the killer goes and pulls the chair out from it. So, you, and, and now any normal person, wouldn't you just like push away from the wall or something? Yeah, exactly. You know, he's yeah. only like yeah. what, like a foot or two off the ground. Yeah, yeah people, yeah. people didn't have the will to live. Apparently, they just let the killer get him. Now, see, yeah, because he, he grabs the damn pot instead right. and pulls it on himself. <laughs> it's like an infomercial. Right? It's like. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oops, that's just happening to you. So I just feel like it was so obvious that Angela was the killer the whole time. Like, uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Especially the the farther the movie goes on, the more Judy and Meg 
torture her. Right. The look on her face when she's staring at them is just like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> silently staring. They play creepy music while she just stares. Um, everybody's yeah. targeting her. I mean, it was very obvious that, to me that that was who the killer was going to be revealed. And um, boy, you know, what I was surprised about is... For as many actors, this is quite, you know, quite a few actors in this film. I don't know if any of them moved on to very much after this. You know, usually you're going to find, you know, a couple like, oh, there's there's Kevin Bacon or there's Corey Haim or whatever in one of their early roles. But I felt like um, I didn't know any of these people. I hadn't seen them in anything else. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I agree with you. I mean, um I don't know if there's anybody that really went on anything else. Right. I mean, they obviously they got other work, but they weren't like the Paul character was like a poor man's Corey Haim, right? <laughs> like the one who, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was funny. Now the Mel, um, you liked Mel because he was inexplicably um, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Yeah. For some reason, Meg, who is you know, is an attractive young woman, exactly. is genuinely attracted to him. Right. And he's got, I mean, if any any listeners, I mean, Mel was not a handsome man. I mean, he had like a comb over and like a thousand percent polyester clothes and it was just like nasty. Yeah. Yeah, always smoking these big cigars. Yeah, uh, right. He was he he was grotesque, but like Meg was hot for him. She was she was she wanted him, and then she we was had the excited about their date. Right, too bad <laughs> she got murdered. Yeah, uh, and then we had that one of the few people who doesn't get killed is the um, the the weightlifting guy. I don't remember his name, but he wore oh Bill. Yeah, he wore some of the tiny okay. There were more tiny shorts and skin tight <laughs> crop tops on men than I have ever seen in my life in this film. I was dying. Yeah, th- this uh, uh, there's a, a podcast that I love uh, that I listen to all the time called How Did This Get Made, and right. they they did a whole show about this this film, and uh, they basically said it's like they're not wearing shorts so much as cock baskets. Oh my god. <laughs> and you know that I have like an eight foot wide screen at my house, uh, like, and so <laughs> we just had bulges in our face, like, and I'm like, God. and actually, you know what? The fashion in this film is incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I um, I loved the the fashion in in this film, and there was like a blue oyster cult T shirt. Mm-hmm. That one of the characters, and I went to, I'm like, I need to find that shirt. And, you know, there's vintage copies of that shirt out there for $350. Like, oh, yeah, so I loved the fashion in this movie very much. Well, you know, uh, online you can get a, you can get the Camp Arawak shirts. Yeah, I figured someone else has already uh, put those together. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's basically one plot twist and that is revealed at the very end of the film and it turns out that angela was the boy who survived the early um the the boat incident and that angela's nutcase aunt raised raised her as a girl so right and then of course 
so the film is mostly a, a trans panic um, theme, but then there's a little gay panic thrown in because it's revealed that Angela saw her dad and her and her dad's boyfriend together. And that also somehow was an adverse experience. And um, right. so, you know, trans panic is a really common theme in a lot of horror films. Oh, yeah. Um, but what There's was, a lot of times it'll be like transvestite kind of killers or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, and you know, Silence of the Lambs, right? Which is an excellent film. Yeah, Buffalo and, Bill. Yeah, and I love Silence of the Lambs, but that also had a deeply transphobic element to it. But what's interesting about Sleepaway <clears throat> Camp is that is literally the end of the film. They're like, <laughs> they show and, her naked and say, she's a boy, and then the film is over. And that was pretty. Yeah, and but the thing that's great about that final scene, and because and for the longest time, and I'm so glad you didn't know anything about it, right? Because it was that's one of the most famous slasher movie endings of the '80s, uh, because it's so just out of left field. Yep. And she sits there, and they keep showing, and it's not a freeze frame; it's her sitting there going, right, <laughs> right, and you know. I think if a, if you were a young person and you watched this film like a like anything under twelve, yeah, I mean that would that was a scary scene because not only does she stand up and this head Paul's head rolls out of her lap, you know she cut right. his head off. She turns around, you know, full frontal you know nudity. She's got that weird growl, and also they did have a mask that they made out of her face, and yeah. it is. It's an incredibly shocking, eerie scene. It really is. I mean, it's it's offensive, but it's also scary. And that was pretty cool. Well, the best okay, the best part about that scene is though at the very end, then they freeze frame, and they start the credits, and immediately they go from that that shocking ending to this love ballad. Right. <laughs> You're just the one I'm looking for. Right. Right. <laughs> No, the whole movie is so surreal. It, it's I loved it. I mean, the the whole beginning, I mean, even before the boat scene, they pan over yeah. the empty camp and they have this score that is so, um, you know, intense and oppressive and scary. The mm. mu- music was great. You know, it was super over the top. And, um, you know, like you were saying about the production values, it, you know what it looks like? It looks like um, one of those Disney... Uh, made-for-TV <laughs> yeah. movies that's going to end up as a musical. Right. Except there's murder in it. Yeah, there's like <laughs> it's like an after-school special, but with these just incredibly nasty events. Yeah, um, no, I I loved it 100%. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> so, okay, we have to talk about the aunt. Okay. I love her. She was such a weird she was such a weird performance in this. Yeah, it's like everybody in the film is a is is for the you know, for the most part a real naturalistic type performance. Right. And I understand they they state that she's supposed to be nuts. Right. That she's like but her line reads are hysterical. They're like, yeah. Oh, so did you did you give me any chips? Oh yes, I believe there's a whole bag. You sound Isn't just like nice her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was weird. It, maybe they were trying to explain it cuz it was a flashback um cuz and she was dressed really odd. 
You know, uh-huh. she was an odd character for sure. She was dressed like 1940s Mary Poppins yeah. or something. And really bright colors and not mm-hmm. at all looking in the like an 80s artifact. Yeah. No, that was uh, uh, odd. Well, and okay, here and here's the thing. At the very beginning of the movie, when you see um see her sending Ricky and Angela to the camp, it's in a it's in a you know a nice normal house. It looks like somewhere probably maybe in Connecticut or something. And then at the end, when they do the flashback to where it's the reveal that oh the you know she made the boy become a girl, um, it's a bizarre Brechtian set where it's all black with like a fake window and a fake staircase. Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, shoot. I'll have to watch that again. Yeah, watch that. It's bizarre. It is like, wait, what happened? Why isn't it just like the set that they shot on at the beginning of it? Well, I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure if there's a Blu-ray with a commentary, I'm sure you could learn a lot about the film. You know, it's, it's definitely, if if you like slashers at all, or if you like 80s period pieces, it's really a must-see film for sure. um, I'm, I was way more impressed with it than I I didn't think I was going to enjoy it at all. Um, oh, also they do that same thing with the, when the kids see the the two men in bed together. It's like right. just just all black. You're right, except yeah. for the bed. Right. Which um, that, okay, they did know, that a lot in the '80s. They did that a lot for dream sequences and that sort of <clears> thing. Um, the the thing I did want to say is it's it, it's a bizarre film because I think it's very schizophrenic. I, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's like the gay panic and the trans panic in it, and I totally get that. But when they show the scene, the sex scene with the two men in bed together, it's genuinely tender. Yes, which is it's why not portrayed in a mocking fashion. No, and but that kind of made it like all the more offensive to me, though, if you think about it, because yeah, it was definitely a lovemaking scene. And it was right. very tender, but it's implied that that's a horrible thing for a child to see. And that was um, quite an icky, you know, concept for me. But yeah, no, right. it was, no I, I, I get it. It just it yeah. seems to me like maybe if they thought that if, if yeah. they're trying to portray it as something terrible, it just seems weird that they made it seem so right. loving. It seems like you'd see something like from the film Cruising, right? Like something really right. nasty. Yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it's quite a, it's so funny, Tim, because like Ralph, my husband was asking me about the four films that you had me watch. And I said, you know, the one I want to watch again out of all four is, is Sleepaway Camp. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm so ashamed, but it's just the truth. You know, so. oh, honestly, it's so funny because for a film that's so terrible, it, it's it's got some of the most rewarding performances right. and bizarre Ed Woodian lines yeah, uh, I, I I love Judy. Yeah, <laughs> she's great. Judy might be the best bitch in the history of slasher films because everyone's got to have a bitch in it. Yeah, she had no motivation except being a bitch. So like, yeah, there was zero motivation for why she hated Angela. She hated her immediately, <laughs> and and was 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 just absolutely horrible to her. And she had this great face whenever she would stop and she would think about what she's going to say. She'd kind of like jut her jaw out right? and her mouth would be gaped open. And then she, so Angela. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, part of the awesome fashion is she has a hot pink t-shirt with those little flocked iron on letters that spell Judy, which was just like awesome. (laughs) 
and and then there's the guy. I mean, there's so much to talk about. There's the guy uh, uh, who's one of the who's like one of the really really nice counselors, and he lives to the end. Uh, he's like he, he looks kind of like a, a buffed version of the big ragu from oh, yeah. uh, Vernon Shirley, and he's always so concerned. Yeah, you know, I was like Angela, you okay? You know, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. he's always wearing like the tiniest, oh, no. tiniest little <laughs> shirts that are all like, uh, and like you were saying, like the one guy, Bill. I mean, his shorts are so tiny. Mean, like you can tell if he's circumcised, right? Yeah, there and there were crop tops. I'm like, they were just like a sports bra with sleeves on the men. I'm like, I I don't remember men dressing like that in the 80s, but um, well, yeah. It, they, they actually, I think they sexualize the men more than they do the women in this movie. They were pretty, yeah, because there, there's some male um, nudity in it, which is a little rare for any film. Yeah, so. Right. Yeah, um, boy. Um, the, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about, which I also mentioned on the synopsis is, and I had to go back and freeze frame this thing. I actually took pictures of it and sent it to my friends. The... The fake mustache. Oh my gosh! On the, <laughs> on the, on cop. the cop, we were dying because he has a real one earlier in the film, I think, right. and then all well, of a sudden at the end, it's so fake. So what? What I, I believe happened uh, was that they they had to go back months later for reshoots, right? And he had shaved his mustache. So <clears throat> now instead of trying <laughs> to find a, a serviceable fake mustache. If you look at it, because because for some ungodly reason they do an extreme close up yes, of his do. face, yeah, and he turns his head, and he turns it back, and it's like the light shining on it. It literally looks like somebody stuck brown electrical tape on his face. Yeah, I am in the I, shape of a mustache. I again, we have a huge screen, and we are watching this. <laughs> and I, we were laughing. I mean, that's just one of the many many details that makes this film seem surreal. I mean, you, you know. Is it John Waters who said that true camp wants to be itself? In other words, this was a film that was made in an extremely sincere fashion, but ended up being absolutely comedic and amazing. So, yeah, the oh, mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That when I first saw that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and, I, and I rewound it and I paused it. I was like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. It, it, it's so blatantly embarrassing and you can see it peeling off yeah yeah it's a it's not a good mustache and and the light shines on it so you can see it's shiny plastic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you could get a better mustache at the dollar tree and i'm not even kidding <laughs> yeah so, and such an abrupt like the whole ending where the cousin ricky he gets beaten nearly to death right by mel yeah and but then he's alive still at the end. But he's just he's been a main character the whole film, and the film just drops him like a potato. Like you don't know what happened to him. You don't know, you know, boom. Yeah. Well, <coughs> they, they spend the whole movie trying to make it look like it's Ricky. Yeah. <clears throat> because of yeah. his his temper. Right. Um. But yeah, I, I love the fact. I mean, Mel just beats the crap yeah. out of him. Yeah, that was nasty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then he stops. He goes. I gotta get out of here. Right. And that's the last we see of Mel. I mean, it's just random. The ending was so abrupt and random. Now, well, Mel gets an arrow through his throat. Oh, that's right. He runs away and he's that's like, right. it can't be you. 
That's right. Oh, I Which forgot everybody about that. says. That was oh, pretty. It's you like right before they get killed. Exactly. That was pretty well done. Now that I'm picturing the arrow through the throat, that was that was pretty. The I yeah, thought the yeah. Pretty good. I thought the horror effects were pretty good. Um, especially. I mean, this is an old movie. Now the, I know they made two sequels, and then they they've been muddling around and maybe making a third sequel. But I'm guessing right. that the sequels aren't worth watching. Well, okay. The sequels are done intentionally humorous, mm. and there is entertainment to be gathered from them. Because what they do is they say Angela, w- you know, was taken to a mental institution, and <clears throat> so she, now supposedly with that she got a sex change to become a woman. Okay, and which I don't know why they would. <laughs> I don't know any inst- mental institution that will do that for you, but. <laughs> I guess. Um, and so the whole thing is, is that, so for the, the, the two movies, you know it, the, who the killer is because right. you see her. And it's basically she kills anyone that she thinks is rude or doesn't live up to the spirit of camp. So she kind of becomes a, not a Mike Myers or a um, Freddy Krueger, but kind of that character in the yes. horror film um, where you know who it is and she's punishing teens for bad behavior which is a common slasher trope right so right and gotcha. she does it with like a big smile on her face like you know well that showed him you know kind of thing and the role of Angela is played by Pamela Springsteen I know Bruce Springsteen's sister I saw that yeah um, but nobody else from the original is in them yeah I'm I'm I mean, I'm not a slasher completist, so I'm sure I won't watch it. But um, I, I just am so grateful that the first Sleepaway Camp uh, <laughs> has graced us with its presence. I, <laughs> so this was the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. So what I okay for me when I look at it, I go as a as a film, I give it like a three. But for sheer entertainment value, I give it a ten because it it is probably one of the most entertaining if, if, if you're someone who can handle slasher type stuff you're in for a treat because it is absolutely hilarious and it, it's an incredibly entertaining film that flies by right what would you give it i for a slasher i'm gonna give it a 10 because even though it has so many missteps the the package is just awesome <laughs> the packages are great and, I was gonna um, say. Right? but yeah as a film i mean as a film it's it's deeply offensive and gross oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah like i'm giving it a 10 as a slasher and i just want to thank you tim this is my favorite of the four and i hope <laughs> I hope no one listens to your podcast because they'll judge me for liking it more than Black Panther. <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah. I love Black Panther too, but I loved Sleepaway Camp for sure. So did you like it better than Graduation Day? Because you really love that one. I, You know what? I did like this better than it was, I think, a better made film, actually, uh, as far as just production values. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. <clears throat> okay. So uh, our final feature, um, the year 1985. Reagan is president. The Cosby Show rule the ratings. Hair gel and piano key ties are selling like hotcakes. And the Indiana Jones films haven't been ruined yet. But in the distant country of Parmistan, a deadly game is being waged that can decide the fate of the free world. Or something. Uh, John Cabot is recruited to infiltrate the game. A deadly obstacle course so the United States government can install a satellite warning station to prevent a nuclear attack or something. Uh, You may be asking yourself, 
Why was Cabot chosen? Is it his superb spy background or code-breaking skills? No, it's pretty much because he's really, really good at the uneven bars. <laughs> That's right. He's going to combine his gymnastics with some generic martial arts and save the free world and maybe even find his lost father and get laid at the same time. An overblown soundtrack, a king who looks like Mel Brooks, <laughs> a slab of beef named Thorg, and the village of the crazies all combined to add to the delirium that is Jim Cotta. <laughs> His name? Kurt Thomas. His title? Three-time world gymnastics champion. His assignment? A secret mission for the United States government. His only weapon, himself. And that's all he needs. Combine the discipline, the timing, and the power of gymnastics with the explosive force of karate. And a new, all-powerful martial art is born. Jim Cotta. Kurt Thomas becomes Jonathan Cabot. He must penetrate a mountain fortress to compete in an ancient savage ritual. They call it the game. But nobody wins. And nobody lives. Until now. When gymnastics and karate are fused, the combustion becomes an explosion, and a new kind of martial arts superhero is born, Jim Cotta. So, <laughs> I, I saw this for the first time about a year ago, and I just sat there with my mouth open. <laughs> What in the holy hell? I mean, okay, this guy, Kurt Thomas, was a three-time Olympic gymnastics champion. And somebody apparently thought that he would make a great action movie star. Mm. And he cannot act at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, so he, was, he was quite the uh, gymnast. He had two moves named after him. Uh, he won gold. You know, he, I mean, he was an impressive, uh, you know, they didn't get a second string gymnast for this role. Um, yeah. And he did win, I believe, a Razzie Award for worst performance. Uh, although, it, honestly, for an action hero, uh, I, but then again, you know that I've watched so many terrible action films. So, you know, his performance was, it was like, eh, it was okay. You know, it was not, it wasn't the worst I've seen. Come on, I mean, I've seen Samurai Cop, you know, <laughs> recently for the second time. Oh, God. <laughs> so, we might have to do that on this show. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, so so as you know from our Facebook conversation, this film caused some tension in my marriage because I <laughs> Ralph watched it with me, and um, <laughs> it was <laughs> such a bad film. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it it's so, such a generic... Uh, action film and really in a lot of ways the plot kind of rips off something like Bloodsport which I haven't seen so oh well it, it's, it's very much like okay Van Damme's got to go and he's got to play this game that nobody has ever survived or whatever and then they get a prize and uh, <clears throat> you know and so there's all these different contestants who all have different skill sets and whatever um, I think of the running man 
when I think of that. The you know that was a game, right? That they had to play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dystopian future uh, kind of thing. Um, so yeah. So the prize of the game that this fictional country Parmistan puts on once a year, the prize is that the winner gets anything they want. Yes. Which I'm like this little country that has no resources. How does it grant? Like, is there a financial cap on that wish? Like, no more than a five thousand dollar prize, or what? <laughs> well, and the thing, well, the first things I noticed with this movie. Okay, I know it was filmed in Yugoslavia, right, and Romania, and the when they show Parmistan, it's like it's like they couldn't figure out what the nationality of the people was. Right. Because there's like, there's people you look at and you go, okay, they look like an Eastern Bloc right. type of a citizenry. And then there's like, but then there's like a lot of people who who look like um, they're Asian yeah. or Middle Eastern. And then for some reason, there's these ninja, ninjas wielding flags yeah. at different parts of the, the game course. Which, you know, I mean, ninjas are Japanese. Right. I mean, the princess, who's the only woman in the film and who is the love interest of Cabot, the the blonde American genius, right. she's played by a Filipina actress named Techi Agbayani. Right. Um, absolutely beautiful woman. But, um, you know, she's quite noticeably, you know, of Asian descent. And her dad is supposed to be, as you said, this Mel Brooks looking dude. <laughs> it was just really Does he confusing. not look like Mel Brooks, like, That's, like in Spaceballs? Yeah, it, absolutely what we thought as well. So, <laughs> Or, and, or uh, the, when he was the mayor in Blazing Saddles. or Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Which, well, they had that, that, the guy who was, I guess, you know, uh, Cabot's handler. He's like, interesting story. Her parents were Indonesian. Or That's whatever. right. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, Ralph said, said, is that interesting? <laughs> like, okay. yeah, that's right. Her mother was an Indo- Indonesian. Yeah, oh. so this film also had two very beefy um, stuntmen in it. Uh, Richard Norton, the Australian stuntman playing Zamir. Yes. Now, so Zamir is the first person you see in the film because you see him at the beginning of the film uh, murdering a contestant in the game. Well, actually, so, that's that's Cabot's dad. Oh, was it? Okay. So yeah, he attempts him to murder and he disappears. Him. Okay, so you instantly know Zamir is a piece of a junk, um, which yeah. you can also tell because he has the trademark dry look mullet, short beard, and <laughs> earring look. But I I will say that this man ripped off the John Saxon um, look of Cleel from Prisoners of the Lost Universe with oh, the yes. fur vest. Yeah. So, you know, that Richard Norton's kind of the main bad guy in it. And you also had another uh, absolutely massive, like, like, <laughs> like I told Ralph, I, could, I said, it looks like one of those turkey legs that you buy at a festival that came to life. <laughs> like, yeah, like, <laughs> like those giant turkey legs they yeah. sell at Disneyland. Yeah, Bob, Bob shot and he played a character named Thorg. Thorg. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So you had some of that going on. <laughs> but you know, the thing that was funny with Thorg was when I was watching it, he's the only one that has like long sleeves. And he looks like, if you look at him, he looks like he's padded up with pillows or something. But he's not. I looked but him that's up. that's his actual physique. Yes. And he is 
so scary looking in person. Like he has the biggest body I've ever seen in my life. So. Yeah, he's got like the, and he, and the thing is when you look at his his shoulders and, and his, his and his arms and everything, he's got like a tiny head. Yeah, he sure <laughs> does. Like I said, he's just a giant turkey leg. Like, uh, yeah, he's scary. <laughs> so, the 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 main thing with this film is okay. They you have to get through this obstacle course with um, people constantly hunting you and trying to kill you or whatever. And so, of course, naturally, there's lots of other characters that get bumped off along the way that we don't right. care about. Um, and the biggest challenge is when they reach the village of the crazies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which uh, this this was fantastic. This reminded me of of a uh, <clears throat> of a video game, right? Because it was just constantly characters popping out of nowhere with axes and scythes and you know various weapons, and <laughs> so he gets chased down this alleyway, and all of a sudden, and there's literally he's surrounded by maybe fifty people. Well, thank God, in the middle of this village square is a pommel horse. Uh-huh, right. Complete with handles. <laughs> Spray, it's spray, it's spray painted. It, yeah, it was spray painted to look like a stone outcropping, but yes. it was a pommel horse, which, yes. of course, and, and he does a bunch of fancy gymnast moves. Yeah, and he, he, he eliminates everybody. Right. Uh, because they all are stupid enough to like come up one at a time. As right. he's swinging around, kick, 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 <laughs> kick, kick, and the the music cracks me up. It 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 is the most overblown. You would think this movie was like Bridge on the River Kwai, right? <laughs> or Lawrence of Arabia with a da 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 da, and all he's doing is just flipping around. It, 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 oh my god! I, so I, I, yeah. Obviously, this film was, you know, f- the foundation of this film was all of his fancy uh, gymnast moves that this actor could do. Yeah. And, and he, you know, yeah, he was impressive. Uh, but, you know, we had such weird scenes. Like, there was a whole training montage of him walking uh, up some stairs on his hands when he was still training. Yes. Something uh, he never uses later. We never see it again. I, I was hoping for it because they showed it for so long and we got the nice upskirt moment there like sure. i'm like tim another bulge film why are you doing this to me so <laughs> so like but then there's a scene earlier in the film when he's being chased down these stone alley um alleyways and not parmistan but the place they were before parmistan but all of it was yugoslavia of course and he suddenly there's a parallel bar in the middle of yes. this alley he jumps up and he starts doing these flips and I'm like, if I was the henchman, I would just stand back and wait for him to get tired out. <laughs> like, well, he has nowhere else to go, right? Well, not just that, but they were they had guns. Right, exactly. Right. Why didn't just, they just shoot him down? Right. And you see him, like, he's up there swinging for a while. Yeah. And they're, like, walking, <laughs> like, they, they run right into his feet. One at a time. They run into his feet. Yeah, yeah. bonk. Oh. <laughs> And, you know, the village of the crazy, I mean, the whole film had this, um, the whole movie was kind of dingy looking. It, you yes. know, it doesn't, you know, but the village of the crazies was really dark. Um, and uh, he beats the shit out of a bunch of old, old people, which yeah. I'm like, doesn't feel, that can't feel good. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of them are like look like they're in their seventies and eighties, like old, yeah. and they're old women. And he doesn't just punch them and disable them; he just sticks, like, just beats the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah. Like... Oh, yeah. He 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 gets he gets attacked and cornered by four elderly women, right? And he literally punches them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of the Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage <laughs> punching women. <laughs> Not the bees. <laughs> Um, and so this film was so so obviously it had a, a somewhat of a Cold War um, little you know it wasn't very serious film of course but there was yeah. a Cold War aspect to it because we wanted to get this missile spotting system but then his dad his dad pops up out, um, of and, out of nowhere and has like two lines and then gets shot a lot of people got shot with arrows in this movie. <laughs> Like a yeah, lot. he gets shot in the back almost immediately. <laughs> right. He's like, win the game! <laughs> but I think the dad survived, um, because doesn't he lead him on a horse at the end? Yeah, he's like, got him yeah. on the horse when he rides into the village as the victor. Right. At the end. Oh, spoiler alert, he wins. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shocking, I know. Oh. Um, it, 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 the thing is, it's so funny because it's such a low-rent-looking film. Yeah. Um, you know, along the lines of, like, if you remember The Perfect Weapon with Jeff Speakman. I never saw that one. That was an early 80s or early 90s uh, film, when, uh, right around the time Seagal came out with his it's, first that film. That sounds like a Seagal. Um, okay, Jeff Speakman, Chinatown friend slain by a mobster in Los Angeles. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, that reminded you of this one? Yeah, it just because it's, it, you know, uh, Speakman is, he's not an actor either. It's like, oh, he, he knows some martial arts or gymnastic or whatever. Let's build a movie around him and see yeah. if we can get a franchise out of it. Well, uh, and they've done that. They've done that with many athletes over the years or, you know, even Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. You know, he was right. an athlete and they put him in. And, you know, in his case, it was a successful um, but I don't think uh, Kurt Thomas went anywhere uh, in Hollywood after this movie. No, so. I think this might be his only. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I I love I I love this film just because it was just so it, it was so ridiculous. It really doesn't take itself very seriously, no. uh, which is to its advantage, I think. Um, like you were talking about that that montage of where he's training supposedly they make this big deal out of him with the uh, katana and his trainers like oh you you must slice through, slice the air without what I don't remember what the hell he said it's like the air that should be the only sound is the air being sliced with his katana right yeah and 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 that never comes into play right he never wills a katana ever. And that's the same trainer that does some moves and he puts a blindfold on and does these moves. Right. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem that impressive. Like if you can do those moves, you can probably do them blindfolded pretty easily. Right? But okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so um, I, 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 as a film, I give it like a three or something because it, it, it does have kind of like a dingy kind of, drab low rent look to it but you know for entertainment value i, I give it like a seven because i i had a good time <laughs> i'm glad as you had a good time. It is. 
Yeah, it's definitely a must-watch uh, for 80s action fans, of which I am one. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'd give you the same exact rating uh, for the competency of the film. I mean, it's really a shame it's such a poorly lit film, uh, yeah. because it... Even though it's only about an hour and a half long, it felt like a strain to watch it that long. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd give it a six in entertainment value. There were some boring segments. There, there was a huge scene towards the in the first act that just consisted of him and the princess skirting into an alleyway one second before a bunch of bullets hit the alley. That happened like 18 times in a row. And I'm like, OK, this is this is padding the film. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I would give it a six. OK. Uh, oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us uh, this time around. Um, we hope you'll come back for more next month. Here, here, here you go, Kelly. Uh, when we'll be discussing Avengers: Infinity War, A Quiet Place, mm. uh, from the Retro Rewind Vault, Tango and Cash, <gasps> with Stallone <laughs> and Kurt Russell. And final exam. Oh, those are good. Oh, now, you I, mean I, Tango and Cash that's starring Robert Zadar, is I think what you really meant to say. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> or Brian James. There you go. I am uh, I am super thrilled, super thrilled about Tango and Cash. <laughs> I think you'll love final exam. If you like oh. shitty 80s slashers, you're going to enjoy some of the stuff in there. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to reach out to us, you can write to us at uh, moviemorgue1 at att.net. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page and our Twitter account. We also just unveiled our Instagram account as well. Um, I post a lot of images uh, mainly of uh, vintage um, uh, movie posters from like the 1930s, 40s, stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> uh, you can check out Kelly's website at bmoviebffs.com. And she also has a Facebook page for that as well. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the program. Tim, you fucking blew it, bro. <laughs> And remember, with great power comes great responsibility. We will see you next time.